My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Kyle Buett. Here are two hard facts of life. Number one. Although Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King's quip that Canada has too much geography and not enough history is about as colonial a statement as you can find, its first half also captures the sad truth of a challenge that social movements in this country have yet to solve. Our efforts are fragmented by the vast distances across which we are spread. And number two. There are lots of people around who don't really like the general direction of change that this country, much like the rest of the world, has taken over the last few decades. They don't like the increasing poverty, the environmental destruction, the erosion of a sense of collective compassion and responsibility, and all the other toxic outcomes that we tag with labels like neoliberalism and austerity. But for all this simmering sentiment, there are few to no existing organizational options for us to give our time and energy to if we really want to reverse these problems. Even the political parties that draw on the energies of these dissatisfactions offer only quite mild opposition and what amounts to a softer version of the same. So what's a person to do? Well, there's no single answer to that, of course. But one possibility lies in a new kind of organizing that has popped up in a number of cities across the country a sort of open, engaged, multi-issue organization committed to pluralist anti-austerity or anti-capitalist politics that are given expression in concrete, grounded campaigns and that are also committed to refusing the kind of divisive sectarianism that so destructively marked earlier generations of the left. Over the last couple of years, Talking Radical Radio has profiled a few of these. Solidarity Halifax, We Are Oshawa, and Ottawa's Solidarity Against Austerity come to mind. Only time will tell whether these tentative local experiments can follow the explosive growth of somewhat analogous projects in Europe, like Spain's Podemos or Greece's Syriza, notwithstanding the complicated turn of recent events in that country, or even the much more modest success of Quebec Solidaire. But recently, they took a first step. Representatives of 14 such organizations met at a Congress of the Radical Left in Halifax, convened by Solidarity Halifax. Kyle Buett is the president of the Halifax, Dartmouth and District Labor Council and a member of Solidarity Halifax. He talks with me about the origins and basis of this recent gathering, about the conversations that happened there, and about the very modest but still exciting steps that emerged from it. We spoke by Skype from Halifax. My name is Kyle Buett and I'm on the coordinating committee for Solidarity Halifax here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm also the president of the Halifax Dartmouth District Labor Council and a union activist. And recently, Solidarity Halifax was very pleased to host the Congress of the Radical Left, a conference that was designed to bring together the different anti-capitalist, anti-austerity and socialist organizations across the country to talk about how we can better coordinate our efforts nationally. 
I've been a socialist all my life and got active in the labor movement when I was 17 and had a job that was unionized with what was then the Canadian Auto Workers Union, today Unifor. And I've kind of been active in the labor movement since then, so for over a decade. But I really was politicized during the lead up to the Iraq war when I was still a high school student and got involved in the anti-war movement and the peace movement. And that's where I first became an activist here in Halifax and attended my first rallies and things like that. That led to a broader analysis of capitalism and specifically seeing the labor movement as a major place that needs to be focused on an anti-capitalist message and the idea of building a better future. And I would call that future socialism. So that merged well together with the activism I had done when I was younger. Solidarity Halifax is an anti-capitalist organization here in Halifax. We were founded about three and a half years ago, and we were founded through a process of a series of conferences that were held in the city to talk about the need for the left to better work together, to avoid sectarianism, but also to put anti-capitalist politics at the forefront of left-wing activity, which is usually missing from the conversation when we're doing social movement work or work in the labor movement. So Sahal came out of that process and today is an organization of about 35 members and 50 or 60 supporters. We do a variety of different campaigns and educational work, all grounded in an anti-capitalist analysis that we've collectively developed. One of our most successful campaigns was the Power to the People campaign, which was about returning Nova Scotia power to democratic public ownership. It was privatized in the 1990s and today is widely hated by most Nova Scotians. And we have the highest electricity rates in the country. So we ran a campaign around nationalizing Nova Scotia power and returning it to public ownership. That got major, major attention and really put that issue on the map. And certainly now when we see public polling on this question in Nova Scotia, it is the most popular public policy option, even though we haven't been very successful in pushing the government or any political party to actually adopt it. So that's one of the campaigns. We also do a variety of anti-racist and anti-colonialist work. Specifically right now, we have a campaign that we've organized with two organizations in the African Nova Scotian community, Ujamaa and Kwacha House, which is called Working While Black, which gathers stories from African Nova Scotians about discrimination on the job and in the workplace, which has also kind of brought that issue to light and has resulted in some major mainstream coverage, but also a growing awareness of the racism that exists in Nova Scotia. So tell me where the idea for having a Congress of the Radical Left came from. Solidarity Halifax sent a number of delegates to the People's Social Forum last year in Ottawa. I think the People's Social Forum was very important in terms of bringing folks together in one location to just see how big the left actually is when we add up all of the social movements, community organizations, political organizations, trade unions that came together to make the People's Social Forum happen. And specifically looking at the buy-in to the People's Social Forum that existed from our sisters and brothers and comrades in Quebec and in First Nations communities. I think that was an extremely powerful moment and really gave folks an opportunity to see what we could accomplish if we were working together. And while we were there, we organized one of the workshops with a group called Solidarity Against Austerity in Ottawa, which is relatively similar to Solidarity Halifax. What we wanted to do with the workshop was talk about the experience of organizing local anti-capitalist organizations in a particular city. This exists in Halifax, it exists in Ottawa, and to a lesser degree, there are similar projects happening in London, Ontario, in Oshawa. There was the Greater Toronto Workers' Assembly, there was the Structured Movement Against Capitalism in Winnipeg, and there was also the Socialist Forum in Vancouver. These were all attempts to build a citywide anti-capitalist or socialist organization that was ignoring the sectarianism of the past and the divisions of the past for the left in Canada. 
that workshop was designed to like look at what Solhal and Solidarity Against Austerity had been able to do, what some of the differences were between the projects, and what some of the goals moving forward on how this could be done in other cities. About 100 people attended that workshop, and we were pretty excited with it. It led to some great conversations and continuing to build relationships with different groups across the country. From that, we also held a kind of dinner later that night where we invited other anti-austerity, anti-capitalist and socialist organizations to come together to have dinner together and talk about what we could do to better collaborate across the country and also, of course, the question of Quebec. After that, we agreed to a series of conference calls that happened over the last year where we continued that conversation between the different organizations across the country. We talked about the need for left-wing groups to kind of have joint campaigns, and we've looked at things like the support for the Postal Workers Union, which is happening across the country, but is not really being coordinated outside of CUPW itself. So we talked about that as an avenue to collaborate across the country. There was a lot of discussion on the mechanics and logistics of how we make this happen. Canada is a very big and diverse country, and trying to get people on the same page is difficult especially with the time differences between Halifax to Vancouver. And of course, the national question in Quebec has always been a a bit of a stumbling block. And so we've had a lot of conversations around those issues and trying to find some kind of common ground that we could use to move forward. And agreed that we would hold a conference in Halifax in the spring. And so that's where this idea for a conference came around. We invited about 18 organizations from across the country to attend, and we're pleased to have 14 of them attend, and the others are paying close attention, but weren't able to actually send delegates. So we think that's a really good step towards building a a much more unified left. Are there any examples, either from the past in Canada or from other places in the world today, that you've been looking to and drawing from as you have these conversations and figure out how to move forward? I think there's a lot of inspiration from the resurgence of the left that we're seeing in Europe with Syriza, with Podemos, with Dailinke, and other groups across Europe that are trying to look at a pluralistic approach to anti-capitalist and socialist organizing. Obviously, the social conditions in Canada and Quebec are considerably different from what we're working with in Europe. So it's not as though we can just adopt a model and move on. And the second one that I think people are paying a lot of attention to, of course, is the pink tide in Latin America and specifically Venezuela, Bolivia, Ecuador, but also some of the other countries in Latin America, and the process that they've gone through with creating new, vibrant, powerful social movements and political organizations that are able to channel the energy of the left and actually able to win government, take power, and begin some kind of socialist transformation. So I think there's inspiration from both Europe, Latin America, and a select number of other places around the world. But I don't think anybody feels that we could just copy what's happened there. Obviously, we need to be responsive to the concrete conditions and concrete reality in Canada and the weakness of the left in terms of trying to build something new. So I think there's a lot of inspiration coming internationally, but an understanding that we need to build our own model as well. So it's my sense that many people, even many people who are already participants in movements of one kind or another, might need some convincing to think of this sort of radical left or anti-capitalist project as something with which they might want to identify and put energy into. So lay out a case for me why people who don't already identify with these kind of politics but are concerned with the state of the world should be open to this kind of regrouping and resurgence of anti-capitalist and radical left politics. I think it's very simple. There are two crises that we are dealing with globally that cannot be resolved through the capitalist system. 
The first is a growing level of income inequality, kind of symbolized through the Occupy movement, the 1% versus the 99%, the ruling class versus the working class. I think there's an understanding broadly among the public that things are not getting better for the vast majority of us. And in fact, in most cases, they're getting worse. So the income inequality crisis is a serious one that must be addressed. And capitalism has no answer to this. In fact, what capitalism does is continue to concentrate more and more wealth in the hands of a very few number of people. And then on the other hand, we have a climate crisis that threatens actually to destroy our planet. There is no solution to that in the capitalist market. There's no way that we can green capitalism and somehow make it come out so that we build a sustainable economy. So when you look at those two issues, income inequality and the climate crisis, I think it's clear that we need an alternative narrative, that we need something to put forward that moves beyond capitalism. I would call that socialism. I'm sure others would use different words for it, and I, I don't like getting hung up on the word. But the reality is, is that capitalism is not going to solve the economic crisis and it's not going to solve the environmental crisis. So I, I think that that language has broad public appeal in general and has certainly been quite useful for us in Halifax or for Solidarity Against Austerity in Ottawa in getting new folks involved in activism for the first time to try and find solutions to these major global crises. Tell me about the organizing process in the lead up to the Congress. That was pretty simple. It was booking a venue, making sure we had an agenda, putting together the lunches, billeting for delegates that came in, and of course, getting the invite out there to organizations that might be interested in something like this. So that kind of logistical work was fairly easy. We handled that on the ground here quite well. The broader political question of what are the discussions we're going to have, who are the organizations that are being invited, those things take longer to work out. And that was a collaborative process across the country with the organizations that have been on the conference calls. We invited about 18 organizations, and I'm not going to list them all out, but that ranges from groups like the Eco-Socialist Network in Vancouver to Quebec Solidaire in the province of Quebec to groups like Canadian Dimensions Magazine or Socialist Project or the New Socialist Group and others across the country who have an interest in anti-capitalist and anti-austerity politics. All of those organizations that we could get in touch with, we reached out to and tried to have them participate in this process. Solidarity Halifax, we drafted an agenda and sent that out based around six conversations, ranging from questions of how do we build local organizations to things like how do we address social movement organizing and labor movement organizing to questions about political parties and the international examples from Podemos or Dailinke or Syriza to dealing with the NDP. So those were some of the conversations that were part of the agenda. Tell me about the weekend itself. How did it unfold? We had about 36 delegates from 14 organizations attend, which we were pretty excited about. It's not every day that a bunch of groups from across the country land in Halifax, so that was great. And the conference went really, really well. Everybody was keen to find a way to work together and to develop some kind of path forward. There are obviously differences between all of our organizations, and those have both historical reasons and modern reasons. But folks came to it with putting their best foot forward and wanting to find a way to work together. One of the key commonalities is understanding how deadly the sectarianism has been on the left historically in Canada and the hair splitting over ideological issues that the general public does not understand or care to understand. So I think understanding that that sectarianism has been a problem was a key commonality and the desire to find a way to work together moving forward is part of that. Some of the disagreements are on things that you would imagine. So the nature of the labor movement and the union bureaucracy and how we adjust to that. 
the national question in Quebec and how those of us in English Canada should address the national question and the need to involve First Nations folks in all of these conversations as well. I think that those are some of the commonalities and differences that have emerged. And so coming out of it, we've come out with a series of six recommendations that are now in the process of being ratified by the participating organizations. And they're around some simple things like continuing the conference calls, organizing another conference for next spring in Ottawa, which will be hosted by Solidarity Against Austerity at the Rizzo Eco-Socialiste in Quebec, and Take Back the CLC campaign. And then more basic things like creating some communications infrastructure so that we can continue the conversation. These are modest goals, but they're an attempt to start bringing together a bunch of divergent groups who haven't really been in the same room together for years. I'd be interested in hearing more about the participation of Quebec Solidaire in the weekend, not only because of the national question, but also because it's my sense, at least, that Quebec Solidaire is a much different kind of organization than most of those that were present. Did that affect the dynamics of the conversation at all? Absolutely. I mean, Quebec Solidaire is a mass party with 16,000 members and elected members in the Quebec National Assembly. They have more members than all of the other organizations in the room combined. So there's obviously an asymmetrical kind of thing going on there. But I think the key thing for folks on the left in Quebec is that after dealing with a conservative government federally for a decade, they're interested in making connections in English Canada and figuring out how the left in English Canada and the left in Quebec can collect while still respecting the individual differences between the two solitudes, but understanding that we need to collaborate and that Quebec will need support from the English-Canadian left, and that the English-Canadian left has a lot to learn from the process that Quebec Solidaire has gone through in building a mass party that is able to win seats, but still able to mobilize in the streets as well. So I think that dynamic was very good, and I know that Quebec Solidaire will continue to have conversations internally around this, Obviously, I'm not speaking for them, but a few of us from Halifax are going to go up to Montreal over the summer to have some more conversations and keep that dialogue going. You mentioned that all of the participants in the conference really recognize the importance of avoiding the sectarianism that has been so destructive to the left in the past. Beyond just saying, okay, well, we're not going to do that, What can organizations do in their internal functioning and in how they relate to other organizations to really take concrete steps to avoid falling into that pattern of practices? The key thing, in my opinion, and I think this would be for the majority of organizations participating as well, is that we need to actually be doing common work together on the ground. And instead of ideological debates in writing back and forth in a newspaper, We need to be doing things together on the ground that build trust between different organizations and that allow us to figure out a way to work together on the ground and solve problems that come up in a way that adds to the movement, not divides the movement. I think that that's the key component coming out of it is the need to do joint work in areas where multiple organizations exist. For most Canadian cities, this is actually not the case because the left does not have an organized presence. And so creating structures that inherently embrace an anti-sectarian process and accept the idea of pluralism on the left and that, you know, there are multiple good ideas out there. There's no one true path to socialism. I think that that needs to happen as well. In areas where the left has no presence, we've actually got to start doing some organizing work to get folks engaged. Tell me a bit more about what might result from the recommendation that emerged from the conference to build communications infrastructure across different cities. I think that's still being fleshed out. For the moment, it will include continuing the conference calls and planning for another conference. 
I believe we're going to start looking at the different social media work our organizations are working on, the possibility of some kind of aggregating website so that the statements and ideas that each of the organizations are putting out will have one location that they'll all go to so that people can easily see what different groups are saying. I think that those are small but realistic steps on how to start building this. We're not going to overnight create a Syriza coalition that's able to take state power in Canada. It's going to take many, many years. And small steps that slowly build trust and relationships between people across the country is the key to doing that. At the end of the day, it's face-to-face conversations and relationship building that actually helps build the trust that allows you to create some kind of national project in a country as big and diverse as Canada. It's not something where we can just create a listserv and let folks start talking to each other because the reality is that that actually usually leads to more sectarianism as people misinterpret what's being said, as people get into writing long, long responses to each other. That's actually not helpful. And so our approach at Solidarity Halifax, at least, has been to create avenues where folks can be in a room together and have a conversation, but also trying to develop bilateral relationships between Solidarity Halifax and Solidarity Against Austerity or Solidarity Halifax and Socialist Project or Solidarity Halifax and Quebec Solidaire, so that the conversations happen both in a collective sense and then in an organization-to-organization sense. And we're encouraging the participating organizations to do the same thing and start conversations with each other as well. That includes um, if one of our members ends up in Toronto for a bit, they might pop in to see the Socialist Project folks and have a conversation. That's an important step to building those kind of relationships and goes beyond what the Internet or communications tools can do for us. So you've mentioned for the ongoing development of this kind of organizing, the importance of campaigns that are concrete, that advance anti-capitalist politics, and that have a broad resonance. So, for example, the campaign to save Canada Post has the potential to be that sort of thing. What other areas do you see that kind of potential I would certainly say that the question of energy and electricity is a big one. We're seeing that in Ontario right now with the attempts to privatize hydro. And we saw it in New Brunswick several years ago when the government tried to privatize their power corporation. So the question of public ownership, I see as a key component of an anti-capitalist analysis of the situation. And it definitely has broad popular support for public ownership of utilities and frankly, also of natural resources and transportation, things like that. So I would see that as one of the issues that would have broad resonance. The other is around making sure the rich are paying their fair share and increasing corporate taxes, increasing taxes on the 1%. And finally, things like the Fight for 15 campaign, which has electrified the left across North America and shown a whole new generation that we can organize collectively for our rights, has been key in building momentum for the left. Just a quick interruption. The fight for 15 refers to the slogan and the campaign for a $15 minimum wage that started among some low-wage workers in the service sector in the United States and has, as Buett says, spread across the continent. If you tune back in in a few weeks, we'll have an episode of Talking Radical Radio examining the fight for 15 in British Columbia. Those would be a few examples I would see as a way to bring an anti-capitalist analysis into broader social movement work and an analysis that might be much more popular than we think it is. In your experience in Halifax, or in what you've heard about the experiences of similar organizations in other cities, has there been any active resistance within movements to explicitly anti-capitalist ideas? So, for example, a a modern-day parallel to the red-baiting that occurred in some movement contexts in years gone by. 
I was born the year the Berlin Wall fell. I have no memory of the Soviet Union or a time when China was communist or a time when anybody thought that this was a progressive way to go. And so I don't think for my generation, red baiting has any resonance whatsoever. People understand that capitalism is destroying us and it's destroying the planet and that if we don't make a change, it's actually going to result in the vast majority of us living extraordinarily horrible and awful lives. I think that that is definitely something that an older generation still needs to grapple with, how that was dealt with, how it might be dealt with today. But red baiting is not something I've ever come across from people in social movements. I have, of course, come across it from the right wing or the business lobby when they decide that they want to target someone. But it's not something that I've ever seen within our social movements. So if there are people listening who are interested in the kind of organizing and organization that you've been describing, but don't have an existing organization of that sort in their city, and I guess this would particularly apply to small and medium-sized cities, what would your advice be to them in terms of steps that they could take to get things going in that direction? Well, first, give us a shout or drop us an email at solidarityhalifax.ca, and we would be happy to chat with folks. Second is that any organizing that happens and any attempt to build an anti-capitalist organization has to be grounded in their community's social movements. So if you've got a bunch of folks who are students who like to read Marx and decide that they're going to found an anti-capitalist organization, that's not going to work unless you engage the local anti-poverty organization, the labor movement, the women's organizations, environmental groups. And not everybody in those social movements is going to be interested or want to go down some kind of anti-capitalist path, but there will be people who do. And those are the folks that you need to identify and you need to start finding common projects that you can work on, concrete things that you can do so that you don't get just lost in the debates on theory. We actually have to be out there doing things and communicating with people. Getting lost in the debates of theory is a surefire way to make sure that, one, you're going to end up mostly with older white dudes who want to debate theory till 10 o'clock at night instead of folks who actually want to take action. So that would be my advice is reach out to us, have a conversation with us, and then identify people in your community who might be interested in anti-capitalist analysis who are already active in some kind of social movement and try to find a project that helps bring those people into the same room together. Given the recommendations that came out of the Congress, if things go well, what will have developed in a year's time? It comes down to building relationships between people so that we don't get stuck in a war of words or debate in an academic journal. We need to be able to pick up the phone and call our comrades across the country and have a meaningful dialogue. That, I hope, is our goal over the next year, is to build more of those relationships that are able to withstand political disagreement without becoming a political division. Personally, in a year's time, and I'm speaking as an individual, not on behalf of Salha right now, but I would hope that in a year's time, we're prepared to actually launch some kind of formal network across the country that would have a public name and be able to coordinate work across the country. That's where I hope we are. In five to 10 to 20 years, I'm still hoping for a revolution. You have been listening to my interview with Kyle Buett. He is a member of Solidarity Halifax, and he was speaking with me about a gathering of anti-austerity and anti-capitalist organizations from across the country that convened recently in Halifax. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 